The medical information communicated in this podcast is of a general educational nature. If you are feeling unwell, please seek the attention of a medical practitioner. Any advertisements promoted throughout the podcast are not endorsed by the presenter or any of the guests interviewed. Hi there, welcome to MediTalk, a medical podcast talking all things medical in a way that you can understand. You're with Danae. Breast milk can provide all the nutrition a growing baby needs during the first six months of life. And research continues to show us that breastfeeding greatly benefits both the health of the baby and mother. But did you know breastfeeding is actually a learnt skill? And despite us thinking breastfeeding is simply a natural process of becoming a mum, what we actually need to breastfeed successfully is support, care, encouragement, patience and a whole lot of practice. So today on MediTalk, we speak with lactation consultant Bernie O'Regan to share with us some top tips on breastfeeding. Bernie consults at St John of God Hospital in Subiaco and has supported new mums to breastfeed for over 20 years. What are some interesting breastfeeding stats in Australia? Some interesting stats are that women still really want to breastfeed. So we know that when women start out, they are at about 96% initiation after birth. But it's our exclusive breastfeeding rates at six months that we're really trying to improve on. So statistics from about 2018 say that at two months, about 83% of babies are receiving breast milk, but 74% are exclusively breastfeeding. So exclusively breastfeeding means that they get nothing else, only breast milk. At four months, 61% are exclusively breastfeeding. And then at six months, we're down to 29%. So obviously, that's where we need to work on is to try and encourage mums to keep going to about that six months. Bearing in mind, too, that we don't start solids usually till six months, but some women will start solids with babies for different reasons at four months. So therefore, they're not included in the exclusive breastfeeding, but they could still be given breast milk. And obviously, that's what we're encouraging. But as a lactation consultant, is it positive? Are the signs looking good? Oh, look, the signs are good, but we'd like them to be better. Obviously, we always want to strive for better rates. Um, And so this is why reaching out for help and knowing where to find good help is really, really important, especially in the early weeks. We know that obviously between sort of the first week, the week, you know, the few days after they leave hospital and then until probably about six weeks, that's really the crucial time that we're trying to get mums to reach out, find people to help them join the, you know, Australian Breastfeeding Association, look for help outside the community with their child health nurses, um, because that's where they really start to establish good breastfeeding patterns. So we know about the benefits of breast milk, but how does it, how does actually breast milk and what's in breast milk affect the development of the growing baby? So breast milk is an amazing, uh, it should be on the stock market actually, breast <laughs> milk. <laughs> Breast milk is amazing. So it starts out with colostrum and colostrum is known as liquid gold all over the world for a very, very good reason. Um, It's really protective for babies. So this is why even in the very early days for mums who may think, oh, I'm not sure about breastfeeding, we are so, so keen for them to give colostrum. Um, And it just primes the gut and protects these babies. It's very high in anti-infective properties, antibacterial, all of the good stuff that's going to start them off on a really good journey. Um, And then obviously as milk comes in and they get more and more milk on board, it still continues to protect them. So any feeding, any breastfeeding, anything you can do is a great start for a baby on its journey. It's amazing because I know there's so much now about gut health. Yes, absolutely. And it's almost like 
the bottom line is it starts at birth That's by the right. sound of it. And it's not just physical, it's also mental health. So we know that all these protective factors are passed through the breast milk, but also from the mum's skin. So when the baby's laying on the mum's chest, skin to skin, and it starts to breastfeed, all of that is just such a good introduction. And you would have known, known after so many years of working in, in your role how there is so much priority on that skin-to-skin yes. contact. And is yeah. that the reason why? Skin-to-skin is super important. Um, so the very first feed, the first hour after delivery, we don't want to disturb that connection between the mum and the baby. So we ask the mum to obviously, you know, have the baby, if it's, you know, um, convenient and the baby is well. So sometimes medically, you know, the baby might not be stable enough, but most babies are. These term babies that are born, it's instinctive for them to start looking to move to the breast. So keeping them warm up against the mom and yes, let them lie there. And literally within the first hour, instinctive instincts kick in and away they go. And when does the mother's milk actually come in? So around day three. So as I said, initially we've got the colostrum, which is our lovely liquid gold. And this is thick and viscous and very rich. It's in low quantities, but extremely nutritious for babies. And it helps. It's like a, a laxative effect as well, because it helps them to pass that first poo, which oh, is yeah. your meconium, um, which is black and sticky and tarry. But it actually, the colostrum really helps to get rid of that. So initially in the first day, Mums are only producing very low quantities of colostrum, but it's there in the breasts from about between 14 and 18 weeks of pregnancy. Wow. It's there waiting to go. Um, so the first day they're probably going to get, say, somewhere around 2 to 10 mils per feed. And then at about day three, they're on about 15 mils. And then come day four, they're on about 30 to 60 mils. And that's when you're starting to transition to full milk. And then... The other lovely thing about low um, volumes is these babies are learning to suck, swallow, breathe. That's what they do. So if mm. they've got large volumes too early, obviously it's a little bit harder. So gradually they're also learning how to manage swallowing and breathing and, it's and coordination. A, it's amazing that you say those simple things, but, uh, you know, we think when we watch videos or, you know, I, I don't know, we see these movies and we think it's some automatic mm. process that mm. suddenly this baby is born, they latch onto the mother and they start to feed and all this milk comes out. Mm. But sounds like that's all a bit of delusion. Well, it's, look, I guess this is why there's um, so many people out there to help. Yes. Because mums do need to, to reach out and have help. And um, in those early days that you have all this great help in hospital and then often things are going beautifully. Mm. Yes, the baby is, you know, feeding well, latching well, all of that. But it can change. And I think that's the thing to remember. It's a learned art for both mum and baby. So if we can support them both and give them the best start, then there's a less likely chance of hot problems, um, you know, cropping up down the track. But yes, it's not just, oh, it's here's the automatic. baby. Let's just leave them to it. All will be well. It's not. They do need help. And some babies obviously are born premature or late preterm. And those babies have also special, um, you know, we need to assist those mothers more with getting the milk to sort of establish, etc. So there's such a big uh, range of mm. what's going to be necessary on a breastfeeding journey. And of course, it's changing. It's evolving. Day one. 
is different to day two. Day two is different to day three. And so babies are, you know, they're getting more milk. So therefore their poos are changing. And then the mums are fuller. So the breasts might feel more uncomfortable. So sometimes that's why it feels like, why is it changing really, really quickly? But it does. It's and, evolving all the time. And it sounds like that there's biological factors of the mother but also developmental, really important developmental uh, processes and skills that are going on in the little baby. Like That's you exactly said, right. How yep. to breathe, learning mm. how to breathe, learning how to suck, and yep. you know it's a, much They're more instinctive. complex. They're instinctive behaviours with babies, and I think that's a, this is one of the really key things. I love, love, love talking to mums, and anyone that's been here to see me will tell you, babies are smart. They're smart and they have really strong instincts. And if we're too clinical, and clinical, in my opinion, is, you know, teaching mums to breastfeed sometimes can overdo it. We need to say, look at what your baby can do. Look at how they can crawl across mm. your chest. Look at how they can find and seek out that nipple to attach to. Let them have a go at that before we sort of go, okay, you got to turn the baby in and you got to do this and you got to do that. Too many instructions. And you just, it's overwhelming. So using instincts as well as good sort of information and positive information goes an awful long way. And then what factors affect breast milk supply? I suppose the biggest one would be uh, a baby that's not attaching really well to the breast. Because if a baby is not attaching well, they're going to cause pain, they're going to cause damage. If we can make sure that the attachment is really, really spot on, and the mum will tell you, look, it doesn't feel comfortable. If it's not comfortable, and look, it can be, it's a different feeling for each mum. And no mum is used to three hourly or thereabouts latched to the breast <laughs> and that sensation. So they're getting used to that as well. But if they're uncomfortable, they're feeling pain, they're tender, they're going to cut their feet short. And of course, if they cut their feet short, they're going to try and stretch out between the feeds as well. And therefore, they're not getting the stimulation they need. They're not getting the stimulation they need. It's a huge, going to have a huge effect on breast milk supply. That's probably the number one. Then we're looking at the frequency of feeds, which is if you remove the milk, as in the baby removes the milk, then of course you're going to supply more milk. So it's a supply and demand. We've got to make sure that it is regular and it is around the clock. It's really important that we most babies feed somewhere between eight and 12 times in 24 hours. Wow. Okay, so that is a lot, but it is really necessary. And if you have longer gaps, you're going to have a buildup of milk, you're going to be blocked, you're going to be uncomfortable, etc., leading to things like mastitis, which we're trying to avoid at all costs. And, you know, this is going back to seeking help again. If you've got a baby that's feeding every hour, no, that's not normal. But we that's where you say, okay, I need somebody to talk me through this and let me ha and have a look at what this little baby's doing because we want mums to have this of fairly established supply literally by four weeks their produ production if we can get them to really have a good supply by four weeks these mums can go on to breastfeed for six months one year and beyond and of course that's the goal and we want them to be confident in what they do as well so others i mean there's obviously other medical things that can affect your supply but we're talking about 
the normal here. I mean, obviously, it depends. You might be on some medications that might affect it. Um, if you have a baby that's too, you know, it's premature or whatever, we sort of said that before, that is also going to affect your breast milk supply. So going back to real basic stuff, supply and demand and getting a baby to latch well and frequent feeding, removal of milk. If you're not sure, ask for help. Sounds good. And then how long should a baby feed for each feed? Ooh, how long is a piece of string? Oh, <laughs> is every baby different? Every baby is different. But most babies will, in the early days, they will probably take half an hour, 40 minutes. That's to complete a feed. When you've got a really good volume of breast milk, some of these babies will smash down a feed in 10, 15 minutes. But you can really sense these babies are... They're going from zero to 100. It's like, I'm awake, I'm on, and I'm done. It's not sort of, oh, I'll have a little rest, then I'll have a little bit more, then I'll go to the other side. So it's so variable, but it's um, roughly, and I have to say it's roughly, mm. it can be somewhere up around 40 minutes to, to complete a feed. If it's going beyond that, that's still okay, but... You'd want to make sure this baby's not just sitting there having a good old pacify and having a little 40 winks and, you know, so we, you know, we would be watching. Do some babies do that? Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Love a little snooze at the breast. Couldn't find a better place to lie. It's warm. It's toasty. And it's where they're meant to be. These babies are born to breastfeed. They are actually born to find it, to lie there. And they lie out there and they look up in their mother's eyes and they just, you can just see there's a connection there straight away. There's a bond there straight away going, hey, I found my place. Let's go. You know? <laughs> so how do you actually know when your baby's feeding correctly? You know your baby's feeding correctly when the baby is attached, it's comfortable, and it, when they initiate, initially start sucking, they have little short, sharp sucks. And when I say sharp, I mean quick sucks. And then once a mum releases the milk, so this is what we call a letdown, so the milk is then in the ducts, this baby's transferring milk, there's a definite sound that babies make. It's a swallowing sound, oh. and there is no pain it is perfectly comfortable and so when they're drinking they actually you can hear them swallowing the milk um it's difficult in the early days because you've got colostrum which is as i said before in a really low volume but with milk yes you can actually hear them i often get the moms to sit here and i get them to close their eyes and i go all right we're going to use touch and we're going to use sound not your eyes, because you can look at a baby and go, its mouth is open, its lips are flange, it looks great, the jaw is moving, and this mum's curling her toes. So that will tell you it's not right. But if they put their hand on the breast, they can feel that breast softening. And they can hear that baby drinking, they use their ears. That is powerful information to them. And if it's not right, that's where we come in then to help them. Wow. And then what do you do? It sounds like latching is just such an important part, obviously. What do you do when, when the baby's not latching? What do we do? So if a baby is not latching, it depends on what sort of stage of their breastfeeding journey they're at. If it's the very early days, we do not stress a baby out. So what we would say with that is don't keep pushing the baby to the breast. So if a baby's not latching, there's a good reason this baby's not latching. We may not always know why, but one thing I can guarantee is pushing the baby on and really force it. It's not going to work. So if a baby's not latching well, we'll say to the mom, let's start some hand expressing. Let's get this colostrum out. Let's give it to the baby. 
If it goes on for a little bit longer, we still get the mum to express, we would use an electric pump and we would keep giving the breast milk and then we stay in touch with that mother ongoing until we get it sorted out. If if it's down, say it's four weeks down the track, six weeks down the track, that's different. Sometimes these babies can be unwell, there could be an ear infection, there could be other things going on. So each individual mother and baby, we've got to actually figure out what the underlying cause is and uh, work with them on it. It must be so rewarding when you get a mum that has really been struggling and a mum and a baby. And, oh. then, and then a few weeks or you might see mm. them a month, few months down the track and it's mm. it's really become an, a, a, an enjoyable time or a special moment for both the baby and mum. Oh, do you get so many incredible. stories like that? I could recite... Honestly, I've been doing this job for over 20 years and I could recite hundreds. And I can honestly say it can bring you to tears. Mm. We sit here in this room and uh, obviously during COVID, we've only had the mums in. But when we have the mum and her mum mm. or even her partner, and it's been a really difficult time and we've put a plan in place and they come back, I can see straight away when they walk in the door, they're different people. They are just smiling and they're open and their heads are up and they feel so much pride because they've been so successful. And they'll sit there and just breastfeed. It's no pain. They will start to cry. The partner will start to cry. Usually I'll have a tear as well. And it's just beautiful. And it's, yeah, it's just one of those moments where you go, this is why I love my job and this is why I continue to do it. Yeah, yeah. I bet. It's giving back. And then what about night feeds? Are they important? Night feeds are very important. I know nobody wants to hear I that. I know, because what if um, you've got a mum We're that's all tired, like, yeah. yes, yeah. And then what would you do? What's what? Mm. How you, can you work through with a mum who's just physically exhausted? This is where partners come in. This is where so help. hire some help. Well, hire it. You, you know, you, <laughs> Meaning you, you know, get your partner in. Rally the troops. That's the catch cry. Rally the troops and delegate no minds. It's not about oh, I'll cook a meal and I'll drop it at your door, or you know, I'll take the toddler. You do need so much help in the early weeks. You really do. You're also recovering from the birth of a baby. We understand that. But if night feeds are not involved in the twenty-four hours. Unfortunately, that is not going to help your supply. So night feeds are where your prolactin levels are higher and a prolactin drives milk supply in those early weeks. And we need the babies to feed well at night. And actually, it is a lovely time to breastfeed for a mom who may have other children because it's quiet, peaceful, calm. And when the baby feeds, everything around you is quiet and you can really engage and hear that baby feed and watch that baby feed. But from a supply point of view, we I said before, it's eight to 12 feeds in 24 hours. So usually at night, they might take a little longer break, but it will still be roughly three hourly during the night as well until that baby's six, eight weeks or beyond. And then what's prolactin? So prolactin is a hormone that drives your milk supply. Right. Um, you've got prolactin and oxytocin. Uh, oxytocin helps if you, um, when mamas talk about letdown. So when you go to feed your baby, the baby's face touches off the breast. Um, you hear another baby cry, you release oxytocin, and that actually makes them feel a tingle in the breast, and that milk will let down. And prolactin is the one, it's stimulated when you're breastfeeding and it actually helps to produce your milk. Right. And then 
What can you do then to boost any low supplies? Boosting low supply, you when you talk about low supply, and uh, low supply is one of the most common reasons mm. women stop breastfeeding. It's often not low supply, it's perceived low supply, but it is, if it's genuine low supply, you need to look at how many breastfeeds a day. You go back to basics. How many breastfeeds a day? Are you latching well? Is it a, you know, um, a baby that's nutritively sucking or just pacifying? Um, the things to do would be when the baby's attached, as I said, concentrate. You've got to get rid of distractions when you're breastfeeding. And on, we all love our phone and our iPads and we have other kids running around. But really, you need to cut the distractions and try and really listen to Bob. Throw in a couple of extra feeds. Do a little bit of expressing after feeds. Try and stimulate to produce that extra milk that's required. Sometimes if it's a perceived low supply, all it takes is a visit to your child health nurse. How is the weight doing? Is the weight going up? Is the baby having lots of wet and pooey nappies? Six nice wet nappies and about three poos in 24 hours says that baby is doing well. Also, you'd look at the color of the baby, the tone, the movement, and general settled. Is the baby very unsettled? Okay, we've got an issue. Um, is the baby reasonably settled between feeds? So a general routine would be one hour up to breastfeed, nappy change, burping, settling, and two hours down, or at least two hours asleep. If it's not down and it's caught, it's going to be on your chest. And um, that says, this baby's actually doing really well. Gosh, I'm thinking about that and thinking, how do these women do it with lots of other children at home and yeah. work? I mean, it's there's a lot going busy. on. It's yeah. really busy. But older siblings are gorgeous too with newborn babies. And so they'll say, oh, mom, I'll run and get the nappy or oh, mom, I'll run and get the cream or oh, mom. So they want to help. And it is a really lovely time. When And I think COVID has actually helped this. I think it's been one of the things where... People have been working from home, kids are home, and this family unit is really gelling quickly. And, you know, um, it's it's been f fabulous for the mum, I think, to have everybody together rather That's than saying, I've good. got to drop her and run this way and run that way. And we've just got to chill back a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean, I think having not the 1,000 sports to attend on a weekend and yeah. we got to go to yeah. this lesson and that That's lesson right. and this, or you know. It's, this it's dinner or that dinner or, yeah, it's actually been quite relaxing, I think, in many, many ways. Mm. We've got to try and bring some of it into our... We've got to keep some of it. We've got to keep some yeah, of it. Yeah, we do. So what about uneven supply? Is that normal? Very common. Very, very common. So believe it or not, we're not symmetrical. Really? Who would have thought? <laughs> so we actually are not symmetrical. So of course, breasts are not symmetrical. So therefore, not, it's very common to have a little bit more glandular tissue, breast milk production tissue in one breast than the other. I would say, to be honest, in my experience, a lot of women will say there's about 60, 70% of their milk on one side and about 30, 40 on the other. So do you then get the Present. baby to be latching to one breast longer than the other? How does that work? It, actually, the babies the babies will pick it. The babies know. They're really smart. So, so they will, if you let a baby lie against your chest and you know, because I'll always ask the mum, I'll say, look, where do you think most of the milk is? And they'll say, oh, it's on, whatever. Say right side. That baby will move its head around and keep brushing off the breasts 
just check with their cheeks because it's their cheeks that tell them that one is fuller. I'm heading that way. And they will physically move their own body towards that breast. That's how smart they are. So if we have, and you know, some moms prefer to feed off one breast and the other. And so that might trigger that sort of extra supply on one side. Can you change it? Not really. If that's how your breasts are made, then it's not going to change a whole lot. The whole thing is, if you've got enough milk between both breasts combined, happy days. That's all we need to know. So, you know, it's um, the baby will dictate you'll have a lot more swallowing on the fuller breast and you'll get a sense of the fullness and the softness of that breast quite quickly. And then if there's a less supply, we still need it, so we need dessert, mm. um, then that's the breast that's going to be used. So, as I said, if it's combined, there's plenty. We don't mind if there's a bit of an imbalance and you can never tell. It's very hard to tell. Yeah. And then what about premature babies and low-weight babies and breastfeeding? So they're quite unique and premature babies are in the early days because they will be nursed in our special care nursery. So they are well looked after and their feeds are monitored and the paediatricians obviously are involved in their care. So when it's, when a mom, if you, the mom has delivered a premature baby, one of our key things, let's get this milk supply rolling. Let's get that colostrum, that vital, important colostrum into that baby. Um, and then we support mom by obviously teaching her how to hand express initially and then um, using the electric pump. And a lot of our premier babies obviously stay in for a couple of weeks, can be up to six weeks, can be longer. It depends on their prematurity. So those mums really need our support also to maintain their supply with their pumps. And they um, will bring in, and they're so proud, and it's just fabulous to see them come with their breast milk. And it's a long journey, but you know what? Those babies still go on to breastfeed. And I just hope anyone out there who's going to have a prem or thinks they're, you know, because they've had a premature baby before, that it wasn't possible first time, please, please try again. Because each baby also is different. The late pre-termers, they're babies that are born about the 36 to 37 weeks plus, those also can have a little bit of, um, there, there's, there can be smaller babies and therefore the energy levels can be lower. So we watch those and monitor those as well with their breastfeeding. And we don't expect, just because it's born, it might be say 37 weeks, but it might be 3.2, 3.3 kilos. And you look at that baby and go, oh gee, that baby's a big baby, should be able to feed but they're not ready. So again, we monitor them and we have a, like we ongoing plans and we update them. This is why a breastfeeding clinic is so supportive because we call those mums constantly and we say, how are you going? How is your milk supply? Where are your volumes at? How many feeds are you up to now? How does baby seem? And then we bring them back through the clinic to help them to just transition to all breastfeeds. And so have you got a, 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 an example where... A mum's had a premature baby. She's been expressing for weeks and the baby can I have a lot. And then they leave hospital and they can go back and, and normally breastfeed yes. at home? many, many. In fact, the majority will actually breastfeed, the majority. But if, say a baby's born at 32 weeks, that baby genuinely will need close to eight weeks before we're going to see a lot of breastfeeding. It's not just gestation, also the weight. If the baby is 1.8 kilos, 
that you can imagine how much energy it takes that baby to feed. So if we say to that, you kind of have to set the goalposts and say, look, don't rush this. And unfortunately, instinctively, we go, oh, the baby's feeding now. It's had one breastfeed. Let's push, push, push. You've got to keep in mind this baby's not meant to be here. We've got to get past its due date. And we've got to get it to at least sort of around the three kilo mark. And then we just see these babies, they just take off. So if you have, if you have a, a suspicion that you're going to be eight weeks before this baby is going to be all breastfeeds, just think, okay, I've got to maintain my supply. I've got to express. I've got to do my night expresses, supply plenty of milk and you know, the the nursery staff here, um, they still obviously contact the mums ongoing as well. And many, 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 in fact, the bulk of those mums will continue and successfully breastfeed. As I said, breastfeeding for a baby is so instinctive that even when you're bottle feeding them, they actually turn to the breast. That's how instinctive it is. So we just harness that and just keep reminding mums that that's what's that is. That's the goal. It's oh. a long journey, but it's certainly worthwhile. And then what are you, when you've got mums in here probably really distraught and, and stressed and upset and they're just feeling feeling overwhelmed, mm-hmm. it's, it's not happening for them, how do you help them through that difficult time? Well, I think the most important thing with that is you have to listen to them because it's, they're the ones that have to follow the plan that I give them but I'm not at home with them 24 hours a day. So I want to know what do they want from this? What were they hoping to achieve? If it's going in the opposite direction, this is what I would say, I'd say, advise you to do X, Y, Z. It might be overwhelming for them. I might have to readjust that plan many times to help them to reach their goal. And for some, it's not all about breastfeeding. It's about just supplying enough breast milk. Anything is possible. And I'm here to say, I can help you. Just tell me what you need. You know, because what I advise might not actually suit them. They might say, look, I've got two other children running around or I might have a set of twins and then, you know, of two years of age and then this little baby. So I'm that is why we've got to tailor make it. Not a one size fits all. Please don't think that it's a one size fits all. That's the one thing that you you do not want to say it's got to be X, Y, Z. And I suppose... There's lots of well-meaning books and information mm. and, and websites and all of that. And everyone's an expert. And everyone's an expert. <laughs> but until you're actually in that situation and it's your baby and you, you've got to have something that's tailor-made for you. And sometimes it's probably better off switching off from all this other information and maybe friends telling you about their journey and then you mm-hmm. sort of weighing it up in your mind, how come I'm not having the same experience right. and I'm, you know, we put all this internal pressure on ourselves. and Oh, um, we do. And uh, I suppose that's the thing. We put the pressure on ourselves. We don't need anybody else putting pressure on us. And there is a lot of pressure out there. And I always applaud the, the ladies that come here with their babies. I know how hard that's been for them to get up, get out of the house, look half human and arrive here with a baby that's ready to breastfeed. They can come in the door and be they can cry, they can do whatever they like, but I tell you, when they stand up out of that chair to go, they've got a big smile on their face. Oh, it's lovely, isn't it? Yeah. And that must be a big part of the breastfeeding journey. Do you see the, that correlation when the mother's relaxed and... Oh, it's be- of course. If they're relaxed 
and they know that it, it it's no one's fault that something has gone wrong. What we want to do is say, this is how we're going to help you to fix this. It, it instantly, because you've heard them and you've listened to what they've had to say, they are going to relax. And as I said, I'll just get them to sit back in the chair and put that baby in the middle of the chest. I might start writing a little bit. I might start... And they're saying, hang on, hang on, the baby's moving, the baby's moving. And that baby is moving into position. And then the tears flow and it's happy tears. And it does make a difference. It really does. And then is breastfeeding better than express breastfeeding? Because I think... Do, do women worry about that? They think, oh, I've expressed the milk. Is mm-hmm. is is it going to be less um, beneficial to my baby? It is not less beneficial. It is so important. So, f- look, if it if it, breastfeeding is not working and let's say it's ongoing pain or difficulty with the latch or the baby just isn't, you know, getting it together and uh, the weeks are ticking on, if a mother is happy to express and bottle feed, to me, that is still gold. I'm all about making sure that it works for the mother as well as the baby. So if breastfeeding, direct latching and breastfeeding, then giving expressed milk in a bottle, please, 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 yes, I want you to do that. That is really, really important. And don't give yourself a hard time. And don't be kind beat to yourself, yourself up. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. But And again, going back, we are our own worst critic. Mm. We will say, oh, I'm bringing a bottle and I feel guilty. Don't feel guilty. That is lick of gold in that bottle and give it to your baby and watch your baby thrive. Okay, so it's good advice. Because I was reading somewhere and and now's the time to speak to the expert, is so everyone's that the milk... It, what's in that milk is individualised for that baby. It's tailor-made. That is incredible, isn't it? It is tailor-made and it's different colours. So, you know, you might look at, you could line up 10 bottles with breast milk in it. It'll be practically white, can be yellow, bit orange, all different colours, different people supply different volumes, but all it all is tailor-made to that baby. I thought that was tailor-made. extraordinary. Yep. I just thought the human body mm. is a miracle. That's right. Well, we know what they're for, don't we? We know what we're meant to do. And babies know what they're meant to do. So it's our job is to actually help them to connect. And if it isn't physical, and as I said, if they don't and can't and are not able to breastfeed, then the, yes, the next pest is absolutely to express that milk. Important message. And then how long should we should we be breastfeeding for? So, I mean, it must be difficult if it is uh, ends up, you know, six months and it's a beautiful journey. When do you know how long to continue that journey for? Oh, we want ideally to feed 12 months and beyond. Really? Oh, yes, absolutely. There are so many benefits to continuing breastfeed, to breastfeed. At six months, solids are introduced, but solids are really slowly introduced. Breastfeeding is still the most important thing. So you would breastfeed and then give a little teaspoon of solids. And so up till probably seven months, you're still really, really, the breastfeeding part of a breast milk is the key. So just... Just because you're starting to introduce solids doesn't actually mean that, okay, breastfeeding's over. No, the breastfeeding is well and truly established. And that is, yeah, we still want, uh, babies can be, uh, I guess they can try to decide to self-wean. And I'll often get calls about eight months. Oh, baby's a bit fussy. Is it trying to wean? No, keep going. 
try and get to the 12 month mark. And look, it becomes much easier. Like I said earlier on, the first six weeks are probably where you have the most hurdles to jump. After that, it becomes enjoyable and precious. So keep going, keep enjoying the journey. Some moms are pregnant and they're still breastfeeding. They go on to feed both the newborn baby and their toddler. And that again is their journey. It's individual. It is not up to me to decide. It is up to that mom. Some are going back to work. They might be down to two breastfeeds a day. They breastfeed before they go to work, come home, breastfeed before Bob goes to bed. And that's their journey. So it has to be individual. And then what are the breastfeeding myths out there that we should debunk today? (laughs) I bet you've heard them all. (laughs) Well, the first thing is you do not need to drink three litres of water to produce breast milk. And most, I think that was an old-fashioned. Where are they getting this? This is Google, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's quite old-fashioned as well. If you drink water, drink water, you're going to have loads of breast milk. No, but you will wee a lot. So that's that's one. What other ones are there? Oh, I can't even think. I bet now. you hear some classics when the relatives come up and yeah. you know. Yeah, and and again, giving, you know, uh chamomile tea and calming babies with certain um medicines or uh, other things is not necessary. Please don't give babies anything apart from breast milk. And if you do need to give something, always seek healthcare advice. Well-meaning people will say different things, but if you're unsure, always call a health professional, your child health nurse. As I said, the Australian Breastfeeding Association, we've got our clinic line here. Anything that you're unsure about, and we'll certainly set it straight. And and find out if it's a fact before you take it as a fact. Absolutely. And even if it's written as a fact on Dr. Google, check again. Yeah. Check again. Because a lot of those myths are gone by the wayside, I have to be honest. That's good. Women are great because they'll read up, they'll educate themselves, antenatal classes, all of that. And also there's a postnatal group that's run from Lake Munger here through the hospital. Anything that you're unsure about, you've got plenty of resources to check. Pharmaceutical as well. Be careful with things you take. Herbs. You know, when I ask Mm. a person if they're on medication, I'm asking it for a very good reason. Is it going to affect your milk supply? Is it going to affect your baby, etc.? So um, these can be herbal things. And some women are on a lot of herbs. So I'm very keen to make sure that it's not going to have any interaction. An alternative healing medicine is all good, mm. but I think it's important to, you know, inform the health practitioners, the consultants Absolutely. out there because it could have an effect both mm. good, but it could have an effect that you might not be aware of and physiologically. You, know, you can't think of everything. No. So you might of say, Oh, not. I've got this terrible head cold, I'll go off and get some cold medication. It's got pseudoephedrine. Pseudoephedrine will dry up your milk supply. So you want to be careful with that. It's really important um to get the proper information and not just look it up online because it can be very old information that comes up as well. So if you're if you're anything like that, pharmaceutical um, or anything to do with just myths or what mm. your mother or somebody, mother-in-law, somebody has said a throwaway comment and you think, oh, I haven't been doing that. It may not necessarily be true. Yeah. Okay. And then, so to end, what are some key messages, you know, three key messages that after today's episode that you'd really like women when and, and their partners, mm-hmm. you'd really like people to remember about breastfeeding? Breastfeeding, it's an amazing journey. 
absolutely amazing. And you, I can see it from day zero to, and I see it right up past a year and beyond. Take your time. All right. It's not an instant. I'm good at this. And it, no matter how determined you are, there will be things you've got. I need to check on something. I need somebody to help me. Please, please, please take your time initially. Make sure the baby has lots of skin to skin contact with you. Um, allow them to wake up calmly. Don't wait for the baby to be crying before you put them onto, on the breast. They just, they start to look around. They put the hand to the mouth and they make these little sucking noises. That's your cue. I'm going to sit back, put the baby on the center of my chair. I'm going to see what that baby is about and where they're going to move to and let that baby find the breast. That's the first thing. The second thing is babies need to be held. They need to be nurtured as well as nourished. Don't be afraid to hold your baby. It's not a case of, oh, it's an hour past. I've got to wrap the baby up and I've got it in its cot and it's got to go to sleep. It doesn't work like that. There, some babies are born prem. They're not meant to be here. So all this extra noise and light and stimulation might be a little bit overwhelming. Hold your baby. Hold your baby. Nourish and nurture your baby. And then seek help. I think that's really important message. Don't be afraid to say, oh, I'm not sure if this is going well. I'm not sure about the wake in. I'm not sure. Please call us. Call someone and say, do you think I have an issue? We will certainly be able to tell you within three or four minutes of listening to what you're telling us. You need to come in or no, it sounds like it's fine. Maybe check in with your child health nurse. Reach out and ask for help. All right, that's really, really important. And knowing where to go for the right help, where would you start? Where would I start? Well, obviously... If they've had uh, their baby here at if St they've John's... If they've had it here at St John's, so they have choices here. They've got a breastfeeding support service, and that's what we run here in this clinic. There's also visiting um, a healthcare at home team that run out of Murdoch. There is a postnatal um, group which is run from Lake Munger and they're just about to start up again because COVID's obviously mm -hmm. held them back. Um, and there is, uh, when you're in hospital, you get all the information and they run talks. So they'll have all sorts of interesting topics that you can go along to. You've got the Australian Breastfeeding Association. You've got Nagala, which runs out of Vic Park. Fabulous, fabulous resource as well. Um, you've got people in private practice. Mm. Look them up. If you need to have help, there is so much help out there. And there's good help out there. It's good. There's good quality help. And it's just, mm. I think you've given some great resources and networks mm. to reach out and to. And GPs are very supportive now of breastfeeding. And there are a lot, there's a lot of really great, knowledgeable, supportive teams out there in their GP practices around the GPs, not just the GPs themselves. So, yes. There is plenty of help. So it starts with, with ourselves. It does. And being okay to say. Absolutely. Need some help here. Yep. Oh, that's, Put your hand up. Yeah. Call it's the, okay. Call. Yes, that's right. We've all walked that journey. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure meeting you. And I think, I hope we've really helped some, some lovely couples and women out there today. It's been an absolute pleasure. A big thank you to Bernie for sharing her knowledge and time with us today on MediTalk. And to learn more about Bernie and St John of God Hospital Subiaco, visit sgrog.org.au. If you feel this podcast episode can help a friend or a family member, please share, as sharing knowledge empowers our lives and the lives of others. 
If you've enjoyed this podcast, please take a minute to write a quick review on Apple Podcasts. To listen to more episodes of Meditalk, visit meditalk.com.au and if you have any medical conditions you would like to learn more about, please send me an email via danae at meditalk.com.au. Stay well and thank you for listening.